Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. When we talk about throwback, throwback takes you to a certain point in your life that causes you to remember a certain activity, a certain action. And, uh, you know, on social media, they have Throwback Thursday where people put pictures of themselves when they were younger, when they were skinnier, when they had hair, when uh, they were in shape. And, you know, it, there, there's just something about, I don't know, I don't know if you've noticed, but um, you could listen to a song and a song can throw you back to a certain time and space in your life. There's, you could be in a certain place and you could walk into a certain place and a place that you maybe uh, haven't been around in a while and walk in and all of a sudden you come to an area that you were raised in and it takes you back to certain memories. Certain smells can take you back to certain uh, feelings and so forth. Throwback is something that takes you to a certain point in time in your life. And I, I want to take you to a couple more throwbacks. We're not going to take a lot of time because we've done that in the past. But how many remember this? See, these are platform shoes, and if you were really uh, into it in the 70s, you had the platform shoes that uh, actually had goldfish in them as well. And so the, these uh, the platform shoes were really big back in the day. The other thing that we find is uh, this blew me away because this is something I used a lot when I was a kid. Not that my dad smoked. But this is the kind of thing, and we wonder why kids have a desire to smoke because these were the kind of can't, these were the kind of things that we were given. You want to be just like dad? You had gum that was uh, in the shape of cigars or chocolate cigars and things like that or cigarettes. This is the things that, that we were raised in. How many, I'm going to take some of you back. How many remember these? See, that, that was before remote controls. If you wanted to change the TV, you had to get your butt up and turn and click that little thing. And if you wanted UFH uh, channels, you had to sit there and go through the, the, the secondary channel clicker that would just, uh, you would click all the way through it in order to try to tune in to what you wanted. And if the, if the reception didn't come in just right, you would have to move the rabbit ears or even put foil. How many remember foil on top of it? It would, it would look great as long as you were holding it, but as soon as you let go of it, it would, the, the picture would go bad. And there were times I actually had to stand there and hold it while my dad watched TV. Because as soon as I let go of the, the rabbit ears, it would, you know, digital TV, what was that? That was digital TV back in the day. How many remember this for you gamers? Remember Nintendo? That you know now. Now they got these controllers that you don't. There's so many buttons on there. You got to be a computer programmer to know how to work these things. Now we've been putting up pictures of everyone when they were a baby. I want to put up a picture of all of you. I got a picture of all of you before you were born. Before before when you were a baby. This is I got a picture of all of you that we're going to put up right now. It's the way you all looked at one time, because before that, there was nothing there. This is what, what helped bring you into, would you stand to your feet with me, turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, and as you're turning there, I want to take some time to, to lay down what throwback is all about. In the book of Ephesians, the Bible says, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27, says this, he will present himself talking about Jesus 
present her to himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fail or without fault. Bow your heads with me as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning in the presence of God. The Apostle Paul is letting us know and telling the Ephesians church that when Jesus comes back, he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle, a, a victorious church, not a broke church, not a depressed church, not, not, a, not, not a bondage church, an addicted church. He's coming back for a church of victory. And I want to encourage you right now, in the way that the world is going today, it's very easy to look at the condition of the world today and say that the world is going to hell, things are falling apart, families are, are falling apart, addiction is, is at an all-time high, that the nation is more medicated now than at any other time in the history, that there's wars that are going on, that there's unrest throughout all the world right now, and it's very easy to paint this picture and get depressed, very easy to get down in the economy and the struggles that are going on, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus, when he comes back, isn't coming back for a church that's barely getting by. He's not coming back for a people that can barely pay their bills. He's not coming back for a people that are held down by depression. I want you to know that the church that he's coming back, what's, it's not this building. It's not the church building he's coming. He's coming for you. And God's promising that we are going to be victorious. We are going to be glorious. That we are going to be the head and not the tail, more than conquerors. And so I want to encourage you today. Things are not as bad as they seem. Things are going to get better. Why? Because God's word promises it. And all these naysayers that say things are going, we, we're waiting for things to get real bad and then Jesus is coming back. I'm here to tell you that he's coming back for a victorious church that you are part of. He's coming back for a powerful church that you are part of. And that, that he cannot come back for that church until we become that glorious, powerful church that he wants to come back for. Somebody say amen. So Jesus is coming back, and when he, planned, when he started the church, he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He didn't mean a church talking about a religious organization. I shared with you in the weeks previous that well, the word church is ecclesia, and the word ecclesia was a Roman a Roman group of people that every city had. They were the influencers. Ecclesia means the called out ones. And every city had their called out ones. Their influencers that would come together during times of famine, during times of crisis. And they were the problem solvers of their community. And what Jesus was saying is I have an ecclesia as well. I have my influencers. I have my people that I brought out to help change society, to change the world. That's why we're getting together on August 4th. That's why we're joining together outside the walls of the church at the Valley Palms apartment complex. That's why we are bringing hope to the city to go where these people are at and share the love of Christ with them. And we want you to be a part of this. Why? Because we need to come out of the four walls of the church and we need to share hope that you know you don't have to go through the struggles that you're going through, that there's a God that loves you, a God that cares about you, and a God that wants to set you free. Come on, somebody say Amen. Now with that, I want you to understand that when Jesus says, I will build my church, and he invited these individuals, these, these apostles, that there's something that's very strange to me. That if you read the Bible and you find out after the death of Christ, that all these disciples, all of them ran in fear. 
They were hiding out because they thought they were going to be the next ones that were going to be killed. Their master, their leader had just been crucified publicly. In a public display, they had gone after the one that had healed the sick, that had raised the dead, that had fed the multitudes. And now the one that they thought was going to become king has now died. And all of them have seen this with their own eyes. They're hiding out in fear. And then three days later, Jesus rises from the dead. And they've seen him. They've handled him. And yet, even after that, the Bible says that the disciples, decide to go back to fishing even though they've experienced the resurrected Christ they're going back to their old life they don't understand what the resurrection of Christ truly means and I'm here to tell you that many of us today although Jesus died on the cross rose again we recognize that he died and rose again but we're not really sure what that means to us We're not really sure how that affects us. We're not really sure what that means in our lives. And so we continue to go back to our old life rather than realizing that the death and the resurrection of Christ gives us hope to start a new life. Somebody say amen. And so we get caught in this pattern of addiction, this pattern of depression, these patterns in our lives. And and here, to, to become a Christian, to find yourself as part of this thing called the ecclesia, the church, was a dangerous thing. Why? Because Jesus came preaching the kingdom. Everyone say kingdom. And there was only one kingdom in those days. It was the kingdom of Rome. And anyone that raised themselves against Caesar would be killed. And executed. You've heard stories about how Christians were killed in the Roman Colosseums. Why was that? They, They don't just kill people for religion. What it was is that Rome was scared about this king called Jesus. That they were they were concerned about this kingdom called the kingdom of God. And these individuals that were showing allegiance not to Rome, but showing allegiance to Christ. So much so that they were killing these people that called themselves Christians. Why would these people allow themselves to go through such turmoil? Why would these people that were once hiding in fear, hiding out, now all of a sudden be standing boldly and allowing themselves to be killed instead of just denying this person called Jesus? It's because something happened in an upper room in Acts chapter 2 that transformed them. Something happened in an upper room. They had a God encounter. So I'm convinced that it's not that the American church or we as a church in general don't love God. It's just that we haven't had an encounter with God yet. don't, Don't get me wrong. We've come to church, but we haven't had an encounter with God. We've been to church services, but we haven't had an encounter with God. We've gone to hear preaching, but we haven't had an encounter with God. We've gone to Sunday school, but we haven't had an encounter with God. We've gone through all these things. We've gone through the religious uh, cycles of life. We've gone to church on Christmas, on Easter. We've been there for these. We've had communion, but we haven't had an encounter with God yet. 
Because it was the encounter with God that these individuals had in the upper room that transformed these scared, hidden, uh, the, these, these weary, these, the, these fearful disciples and turned them into men now that are standing publicly and declaring the power, the majesty, the glory of a God that was hung on a cross and that rose from the dead three days later. It was the spirit of God that they had to come in contact with that transformed them. And I'm here to tell you today that if you haven't been able to find yourself in this connection with God and you're going through this religious cycle, I simply want to do this. I simply invite you, have an encounter with my God. An encounter with God is better than any drug program. It's better than any any counseling you can go through. Better than any marriage counselor. Because it's an encounter with God that will transform not only your heart but your mind. It'll transform your spirit and your body. It'll transform you from an addict to someone free. It'll change you from a bitter person to a better person. It has the ability to transform you after you've been touched by God. I don't know if you're hearing me this morning. What made these men different? Just simply one word, commitment. After they had this encounter with God, they they, they, they ended up with just such a radical commitment to God. Let, Let me share this with you. I am totally convinced that people don't stay away from the church because the church asks too much from them. I believe people don't belong to churches because the church doesn't ask enough from them. People are bored. I don't know about you, but I want to dedicate my life to something that counts. I want my life to count. I want to give my life to something that means something. I don't want to just show up out of church and just, and just give a pastor uh, some money just to have a life. I want you to understand. I want to make a difference. I, want to, I, don't, I don't want to just come to an organization. I want to make a difference in this world. I want to make an impact in society. I want to transform lives. I want to see the addicted be set free. I want to see those that are homeless have a place to go. I want to see transformation happen. I believe and I'm totally convinced that people don't walk away from God because we're not asking enough from them. It's just that we're not challenging them. Church is too afraid of offending people nowadays. We're afraid we're going we're gonna to step on someone's toes or we're afraid. I don't know about you, but my parents uh, to this day are so committed to God. And th- in those days, everything was a sin. I rem- like I told you guys a couple weeks ago, I remember as a little kid being invited to go watch a movie at someone's birthday party and it was Bambi. And my mom told me, God is not going to stop and pick you up at the theater if he comes. So I watched with one eye at Bambi and then the other eye looking around thinking, is Jesus coming while I'm watching Bambi? Now, where where are my parents every Tuesday? At a theater. 
they always go out to watch the Christian, latest Christian movie that comes out. But it's just amazing how things change over the years. But there's this level of commitment that we've totally lost what commitment's all about. What am I saying to you? I'm here to tell you to understand this, that I believe that people want to commit to something that matters or something that makes a difference. I believe that's why people are joining gangs. They want something that, that, that there's something, a commitment to it, something that has some teeth to it. I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you gave your all to anything? Say it again, Pastor. When's the last time you gave your all to anything in life? Because we say we commit, but we really don't. We stand at an altar before a pastor or a priest and we say, I do, I do, but we really don't. We go through membership classes at a church and say, I'll be faithful that I want to be a member of the church, but you don't. You go and take a job, you go to an interview and you sit before that person interview and you say, I want the job, I want to work here. But after three months of being there, now you're showing up late, you're leaving early and you're not putting any heart into the work. The job that you once used to die for, that you would have killed for, now you hate. We don't commit to anything anymore. We don't know what commitment is. And too many young people I talk to, we are raising a generation that doesn't have a clue what commitment is because they haven't seen commitment modeled by their parents. Commitment is something that's, that's strange to us. It's something that's foreign to us. And as churches, we're afraid to talk commitment because the moment we talk to commitment, we'll leave to a church that doesn't require as much. And yet we serve a God that loved us so greatly, that committed to us to build and design this world, to create an atmosphere by which we could breathe. One degree closer to the sun, we'd burn. One degree farther from the sun, we'd freeze. He created a perfect climate for you and I. He created and planted a garden. He formed us out of the dust of the ground. He lent his breath to us. And with that very breath, we denied him. We turned our back with them from him. And he said this, you know what? I'm going to give my breath to you again. I'm going to give up my breath. I lent my breath to you the first time. I'm going to send my son Jesus, and he's going to die and give up his breath for you. And after he breathed his last and said, it is finished, 10 days later in the upper room, or 50 days later in the upper room, God breathed on mankind again. Just like he did in the Garden of Eden, he breathed and lent his breath to us once again. But this time he had the Holy Spirit come and breathe in us. Jesus and God committed to us everything. Don't you think we deserve, he deserves a little more from us? Don't, don't you think that God deserves a little more from us? Listen to me. I don't know how many people I've talked to that tell me, Pastor, you know what? I'm just not good at this. How can you say you're not good at something that you've never committed yourself to? You quit school after two weeks. You never know how good you are at something unless you stick it through. We take a job and we quit. We to go to school and then we drop out. We, 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 we get in a relationship and then we're out of it. How do you know you're good at something if you give up before you've even committed to it? Right. 
We show up late, leave early. The moment that people begin to ask more of you, like, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, I, I just come here to worship. Hey, I just like the music. I just came here for the music, Pastor. Hold on. What, you, want me to, you want me to get involved in ministry? You want me to, to, to get, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, but when everything was falling apart, who did you call? You need someone to be there for when things fall apart in your life, but you don't want to be that person for someone else. Wow, it got quiet up in here. See, when Jesus comes back, will he recognize this thing called the church? Will it look anything like the church that he planted, the church that he designed when he returns? Will this place look anything like what he intended it to be? But when we're focused in on just getting by ourselves, we don't have the strength or the ability to help anyone else get through their things. What am I here to tell you this morning? I'm simply here to tell you this. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't you give up on your ministry, your business, don't give up on your career. Don't give up on your sobriety. Don't give up on your children. Work it. Work it. Don't give up. Commit to it. Work it. Don't walk away. Work it. Commit to it. Stay in the fight. Don't walk away. Commit. Work it. Because I said I do. I'm going to do. I'm going to be there till death do us part or until I kill you. We're going to stay in this thing together. Why? I'm going to I'm going to work through this. I might have F's right now, but I'm going to stay in this thing in education. I'm going to learn. I'm going to give my all. I'm going to do my best because you know what? Next semester, I might raise it to a D. I might get all the way to a C, but I'm going to give my all to this thing. I'm not going to drop out of school. I'm going to do my best. I might not know the job right now, but I'm going to stay in this job. I'm going to stay committed to this job because this job is the door that's going to open up where God's going to bless me later on. I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to give up. I'm committed to this thing. I'm going all in. I'm not walking away from God. I'm going to stay in there because God gave his all to me. I give my all to God. I'm not going to walk away when things get tough. I'm not going to forget about them when I find myself in compromising situations. I am committed committed take a look at the take a look at this world we don't commit to anything anymore this morning what made these guys different what made the early church different I just simply want to share with you this one thing. Number one, I want you to notice that the early church, they committed themselves to the doctrine of Christ, of the apostles. They committed themselves to the teaching. If, if you, you have your Bibles, just write, or, or taking notes, just write down Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts 2, 42, read it when we're done. 
And you'll find that they committed themselves to the apostles' doctrine. What's doctrine? It's their teaching, didacte. It was the teachings of the, the apostles. It was the teachings. It was the, it was the teachings that they heard from Jesus that now they are giving over to the people that they are leading and guiding. I'm here to tell you something. That many of us have committed to so many things. We've committed to philosophy. We've committed to, to what society says. It's time to get back to the teachings of Jesus. It's time to get back to the word of God. It's time to get back to what Jesus says about these things. And I need you to understand that right now, you might live according to other things. You might live according to philosophies. You might live according to your own desires. But I want you to know that when Jesus comes back, he's not going to judge us based on philosophies. He's not going to judge us based on the way other people live. He is going to judge us all based on the word of God. The word of God will be the foundation by which God judges each and every one of us not your opinions not what society says these people committed themselves to the doctrine of of, of the apostles they committed themselves to their church they gathered daily are you hearing me daily not just on Sundays not just on wind, every single day. These people went to work, came back, and they gathered together with the church. They gathered with one another. Why? Because it was important enough to the, for them to realize that this is my lifeline. This is a place that I'm encouraged. This is a place that I give courage. This is a place where I'm fed. This is a place where transformation happens. It was a priority. And I'm here to tell you that if the Church of America is going to make a difference today, it's when the people decide to make the church a priority rather than other things it's that we make God a priority in our lives once again God you're number one because he made us number one they committed not only to the church but they committed also to each other you look at later on in the scripture it says that they had all in common that they sold things in order to help those that had need you imagine living in a church right now that when someone had a need, you didn't have to go to the government, you didn't have to take a loan, you didn't need welfare, but the church took care of you? Now, now don't get me wrong, not living off the church. I'm not talking, I'm talking about those that just need help to get back on their feet again because there's a balance between helping people. I shared this last week, a balance between helping people and then also recognizing what the word says. If you don't work, you don't eat. We all go through tough times. But we need to find a way of getting people back on their feet again. They, they committed to each other. And not only to each other financially, but committed to each other that, listen, whatever you go through, Peter ends up in jail and they pray for him. And they're praying so hard for him that an angel shows up and delivers him. That, you know what, no more of this Facebook, hey, do you want me to pray? You know, I'm praying for you. And after we say that, we go on to the video that's right after that of the little cat that's playing the piano. Instead of recognizing what the, what's going on in someone's life. That when I say I'm committed to you, that I'm there for you. That when you go down, Ben, I'm going to be by your side. That when you're going through a tough time, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to stand next to you when your marriage is going through trouble. That when your kids are sick, I'm going to stand next to you. When your marriage is struggling, we're going to believe with you. We're going to stand. We're going to cover you instead of gossiping about you I'm committed to you and we're going to stand together to make it through this thing but most importantly they were committed to God this is where we close I'm totally convinced it's not that we don't love God 
It's not that we don't want to be great. It's not that we don't want God to do great things in our lives because I look in every one of your eyes and I see greatness. I see it. I see it wants to come out. It wants to explode. It wants to show forth. You're, you're tired of that same struggle over and over and over again and know that there's more in me than what I'm showing. There's more in me than just going to bed at night, waking up in the morning, going to work, coming home and going to bed and just in that cycle. There's more in me than this. It's created for more than this. Let's look around and I see it. That the, the problem is it's not that we don't love God. It's just that we're too distracted. We, we want to hit the goal, but while we start running, all of a sudden something gets our attention. And we get so distracted in life. And if the enemy can't keep you from serving God, let me just get you distracted enough that you're ineffective in your relationship with God. I don't care if you're religious. Just keep it to yourself. I don't care if you serve God. If you're going to go to heaven, fine, but just don't bring anyone else with you. Let me keep you distracted enough that I keep you, not affecting anyone else. Bow your heads with me this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash CWC Bay Area.